Welcome to the Society of British Dental Nurses podcast, sponsored by Horton Consulting. Hello and welcome to this podcast. I'm Laura Horton and today I'm interviewing Emma Riley. Hello Emma and welcome. Well, hello there, Laura. Thanks for having me. Not a problem at all. I'm really looking forward to this. And so we've got many questions to ask Emma because you are such an interesting person with such a fantastic history. And so I'm really going to grill you so everyone can find out so much about you. So it's a permission for me to be very nosy, really. Um, now, be nosy away. Yeah, I'll be very nosy, don't you worry. <laughs> Emma and I uh, met a few years ago at the dentistry show when I was chairing uh, the Dental Nurses Conference and Fiona put me in touch with you and you spoke uh, in the um, dentistry show at the dent- for the dental nurses and it was a really inspiring, outstanding presentation. And you had so many dental nurses coming to you afterwards, didn't you, who were just like, wow, this is amazing what this dental nurse is doing. So I thought I'd start there, really. So I'm really keen to talk about Macmillan. Uh, Mm -hmm. And um, if you could share with us how you became involved with Macmillan, involved with oral care for patients during and after surgery and as part of palliative care as well. Okie dokie. I got involved with Macmillan just through pure I was just being very very stubborn really I I, I've been working about 22 years ago for the Pennine Acute Hospital up in Manchester uh, as a specialist dental nurse and I had the post qualification in oral care oral health care and um, I got it I think we were the second year to take the oral health education kind of certificate and um, I got the certificate, I got a merit, I think I was the only the second one in the country to get a merit. I never used it again. And when I got to Pennine, I thought, I've got this post-qualification, why aren't I using it? So at the time, on my, we used to get an afternoon off um, at the Trust. And uh, on my afternoon off, I asked if I could go wandering around the wards, having a look at oral care, which, you, as you can imagine, went down like a lead balloon with some of the um, (laughs) nurses on the ward. (laughs) But the main thing that I found was lack of oral care, whether it was an oncology patient, an elderly patient. And it it spiralled from there, really. I I then went back to the department, started looking more at our oncology patients because we were a head and neck unit as well, and um, offering my services out because although... I don't profess to be the best dental nurse in the world. I'm not. I never was the best dental nurse in the world. I have a passion for education. And if I'm doing something, I want to do it to the best of my ability, really. So, and I also believe that the best people to demonstrate and educate on oral care are us, is the dental profession. So although the nurses didn't embrace it initially, they did after a while. And they got to know me quite well. And referrals just kept coming in then Laura from all around the trust and it was for the Pennine I still call it our trust my trust it's based it's got four hospitals in Pennine and the referrals were coming from all over Um, and we we kept it to oncology and end of life um, and palliative care and it it kind of snowballed from there really so then we we approached uh, myself and my manager at the time we approached Macmillan and asked them would they adopt me? Would they take me on? And at first, Macmillan were a little bit—they were a little bit hesitant because 
they I think they missed a trick really where um, the mouth was uh, was concerned. Bearing in mind this was 10, 15 years ago, and they they wanted convincing that this role was necessary. It would it would benefit patients. And actually, when we sat down and did a presentation and demonstrated to them, it was a no-brainer. It really, really was. And the role just kind of spiralled from there, really. Um, and the one thing that came out of it for me from a personal level is I am passionate about end-of-life and palliative care. And that seems to be my, I think, my calling in life now is to is to work with that group of patients. So, yeah, it, it was, it's something I'm very proud about, very proud of. And um, yeah, um, the fact that Matt Millen sort of embraced it, I, I admire them too. So Absolutely. yeah, that's how I'm involved in it. What an achievement, you know, because it's such a, a big game changer there. And that's you, mm. you know, you've been driving this for so many years. And I just think it's so inspirational and it's, it's, it's outstanding. And yes, you most definitely should feel very proud of yourself. <laughs> And I know that you, you lecture and I want to talk more about your current role as well. But how yeah. important is it that GDPs and DCPs gain more knowledge to support, you know, their patients that are, you know, perhaps having uh, cancer treatments are, you know, in these terrible situations? How important is it that they, you know, increase their knowledge and gain more knowledge in this area? It is. It is so. I mean, the one thing that I will keep saying it's it's all about for me is quality of life for these patients. And um, so if we if we develop our knowledge, it can only impact on their quality of life. The problem is with our profession, if you don't mind me saying so, is that we tend to be a little bit insular. Where I don't think we shout out enough saying we can help this group of patients. We tend to some some professions professionals I've worked with who have, who have said it themselves to me dental nurses, therapists, hygienists, once a patient gets a cancer diagnosis, they tend to try and back off and leave it to other health professionals to deal with. That's not what we should be doing. We should be empowering ourselves that we are the patient. We can improve their quality of life. We can help them, not just the oncologists, the dietitians, but speech and language therapists. We are key in that because invariably, once they finish their hospital treatment and hopefully they are cured from the cancer or maybe not, they are then left out in community and that's where we come in that's where our profession comes in because we're there to advise them um so to me empowering us to do that and improve their quality of life is, is so so important really is absolutely and i know you know firsthand through um my my father-in-law that there was absolutely no communication education mm -hmm. from anybody um, about you know oral care for him while he was going through you know radiotherapy chemotherapy mm. and when you know towards the end of his life and it's mm. really important like you say that people you know support the patients and don't back away mm. so yeah I think that's something really key to take away so in, in I, can I just, can I just yeah. mention as well I mean we tend to, we tend to sort of we don't kind of um, empower ourselves but there, there was one occasion where I was actually speaking to a group of nurses um, regarding end-of-life care for the um, for a patient, and um, I remember asking them to keep the mouth moist, the lips moist, because the patient might want to smile. And one of the individuals in the audience actually said, "What have they got to smile about? They are dying." Now, if that's a nurse, <laughs> yeah. to me that just shows what the lack of 
empathy and education around mouth care full stop. And I really, I, I really am passionate about that. Yeah, that's sorry for interrupting, Laura. It's just it really is. It's so important. It is, and what you've just said there is absolutely shocking. Um, yeah, and <laughs> something unbelievable. But I think it. it yeah. I'm glad you've just told that story because it does make everyone think. Wow, you know, perhaps it might make yeah. one or two people listening go, Wow, actually, if that is the case, then. I really do need to do something. And if you can empower one person to make a change, then that's mm. fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to now, uh, Emma, just say, um, we'll just ask you rather, if you could take us back to the beginning, how long have you been working in the dental profession now? How did it all uh, begin? And if you could share with everybody where you are now. I um, I started off at 15. Um, God bless me. Uh, I'm 47 now. I started off at 15. My mum is a dental nurse, um, and uh, I just always knew I wanted to do it. I've, I've been very, very lucky to work with some really good uh, dentists up in the northwest, and I, I was just passionate about it. I've worked in private practice, NHS, uh, and hosp the hospital environment. As I said before, not the best dental nurse in the world technically, but really enjoy dental nursing um, and the way it's evolving things were very very different back when I was doing it 15 years ago uh, to the way things to where we are now the happiest time for me um, I've worked at the dental Manchester Dental Hospital um, I've also worked obviously as I mentioned before Pennine Acute Trust up here in Manchester um, and then the role kind of changed, my role changed because I, I saw myself, although I do keep, I'm up to date with my CP, just want to make sure everyone knows I'm up to date with my CPD. Um, <laughs> I still I, I still do the odd session chair siding. I knew that my, my path was away from that to do more presenting uh, and more education. And um, I got offered from the company I work for now to be there um, to be a healthcare services director, which basically is just a posh name for getting out there and presenting and um, getting the message out about oral care. So I think I have a wonderful job. Um, it takes me all over the country, uh, into Europe as well. It is a fantastic job. And uh, I think it's the presenting side that I enjoy the most. And you are a fantastic presenter. So you've been travelling. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you are. <laughs> Really are. And you've been travelling quite a bit, haven't you? You've been, you know, lecturing yeah. internationally. Yeah, we, we get, when I say we, because it, it's a t I, I, I feel it's a team. Um, I, I mean, I've, we've, I've, I've worked very closely with Fiona. We, we're getting invited all over. Um, I mean, two years ago, um, we were, where I say we, I, I launched Mouth Cancer Awareness as the keynote speaker at the House of Commons. And at that point, it, that was brilliant because they'd asked the dental nurse to do it. It doesn't matter what your job title is. You can have a big job title like I've got, or you can be whatever you are. I'm a dental nurse at the end of the day, a passion, somebody who loves dentistry. And for a dental nurse to be invited to launch Mouth Cancer Awareness um, was phenomenal for me. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, and that has been the highlight. I think that's been the highlight of my career, that they actually looked at a dental nurse to do it. Yeah. Rather than a yeah. consultant, rather than a dentist. And and the and the angle that Fiona and I wanted to go on was we're very passionate about early detection of mouth cancer and and you know uh, the the signs and the symptoms but we're also we are also passionate about how we leave the patient post treatment and how that impacts on their quality of life. So that it really was the highlight 
of of, of my of, actually of my career up to now. Um, and yeah, we, we get invited all over to do talks. I'm not the when we do training, we do presentation. You've seen me present. It is not your normal kind of talk. I wonder what people think it is, but it is um, a lot of the presenting I do is to non-dental uh, professionals. And unfortunately, when they see oral care on um, on a on the on the list of what the talks are going to be that particular day, is the one talk that they think they're not going to be interested in. I don't know that you've ever found that. It, they think, oh, dentally, it's not it's not going to be interesting. So we do try to make it fun, and we do try to make it a bit interactive. It's not for everybody. I, I think I'm probably a little bit like Marmite. I, I really do. I, I, I'm not for everybody, but they'll remember the presentation. <laughs> Yeah, for good or bad. <laughs> I suppose that's the only way I could put it. <laughs> but it's great that you've put so much energy into, and you are full of energy. You know, if anyone who meets you all can, can just feel the energy coming off you. You're great to be around. But it's great that you have put so much effort into making your presentations memorable for those who have attended, because that's part of the battle, isn't it? You know, it is. It is. Yeah, it is. You know, there's nothing worse. We've all been in lectures where <laughs> the person presenting, we just think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to fall asleep. Um, they're completely monotone. This is really boring. So to put so much energy behind it and to make it fun is, is essential. So And that takes a lot of hard work, doesn't it? It's not easy presenting. It takes energy, it doesn't it? It isn't, it isn't easy. Um, and I also think you can get a little bit flippant about it. Um, I, th I, I, I don't know if you find you, you speak to people, you present in front of people. Every now and again, it's good to for somebody to challenge you and to stretch you somewhat. I, I enjoy that, but it is it, it's, it's exhausting because you're like an act, you're up there performing, to be honest. And if they go away and they think, who was that? What has she gone on about? She loves the sound of her voice a little bit too much. Or somebody comes away and goes, Do you know what? I've learned something today. Either way, they've discussed it. I don't want to be one of those people that they do fall asleep in the lectures at because we've all done it. We really have all done we it. Have, yeah. And, I, and yeah, people do switch off. I mean, what do they say after about eleven minutes? People switch off anyway. Mm. And so you, you're trying to keep them captivated. I love oral care, but I need to get out more. I've been doing it since I was fifteen. I, I love anything to do with oral care, but unfortunately. A lot of these people that I'm presenting to have been told they've got to be there. <laughs> they've got to be there. It's man hopefully there'll be more present because it's becoming mandatory training now uh, in a in hospital trusts now, oral care training. Um, but no one ever runs into these thinking I'm going to love this talk. No one ever does. So it's my job just to make it a little bit interesting, oh. and I hope I do. Uh, whilst trying to not to swear, well, as you well yeah. know, Laura, I try and. <laughs> When you're passionate, though, however, sometimes <laughs> it's even harder, I have to say it really yeah. is. So, yeah. Emma, I think this is also a good opportunity just to discuss the other areas that you work in as well, such as autism. <sighs> yeah. Aut oh, right, yeah, autism. Yeah, it's um, as I say, my passion is is palliative care and oncology patients, but we also have, uh, with my company, we now work with a lot of with individuals with autism, which has been a really steep learning curve for me, and also has done me the world of good because after years of getting up and I, I, you can give me an oncology patient, 
you can give me somebody, I can sit with somebody who's had bad news. I can also sit with somebody pass, who's passing away, which I also think is a great honor to do. People, individuals with autism, I've struggled with because they don't quite get my sense of humor, Laura. They don't actually <laughs> get me. I know you find that difficult to appreciate. Um, autistic individuals um, are very black and white. They are fascinating, fascinating, very in highly intelligent individuals who um, don't get me. And I know they don't get me because they don't get my sense of humor. They literally take everything you say, literally. So um, when I do meet them, if I say to them, um, oh, hang on, hold on there, tiger. They're looking for a tiger. Yes. Um, if it's raining cats and dogs, they're looking for cats and dogs. Yes. So with my sense of humor, because I think I'm hilarious, they don't think, they just don't get that. And it's got to the point where I've had to now re revisit me because I, I always, when we do my talks, I think I think our patients pick up whether or not we, we want to do oral care with them, we want to help them. They pick up if we're not scared of them, but are very wary of them. I am wary of autistic patients, individuals, and they pick that up on me straight away. Mm. So it, it, um, there are other people in my team that are more equipped to deal with these individuals than I am. But I'm working on it. I'm having to just come down a few levels and give eye contact and respect them. And I do respect them, but it, it, I have had to change the way I approach these individuals, yes. Okay, I know you had quite a hard time with one patient who took a dislike to you, is that right? Yes. Uh, yeah, they, they really did. And um, that was that was very, very, that was difficult for me. Very, very difficult for me. Um, and it did make me reflect. It wasn't dislike. I, I, I think this, well, yeah, it probably was dislike, actually. They, re they really, the body language. But it was the more nervous I'd got around them. Because what you tend to do is then you try to overcompensate. Mm. And you try, and I actually found... By the end of it, I dug myself such a hole, I dug right into it because I was trying too hard with these individuals, this this particular individual. Um, but no, I've reflected on it. But it is it is of the it is the case of sometimes there's different people for different areas, isn't it? There's different people of different strengths, and and I think we sometimes have to deal you know deal with our strengths. But it is a group that I'm having to work. It's me. That needs to work on things yeah. not the the, the the autistic individual and not all patients with autism by the way it's not everybody but they're a fascinating group I don't mm -hmm. know whether you've had much to do with um, autistic individual they are so interesting yes very very yeah group. very very interesting yeah and as you say highly intelligent oh very intelligent yeah very 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 yeah. and unfortunately people assume they're not um, and that's and, and it's out of the norm, and I don't think, as, as some, some of us don't like um, somebody who's very honest or something that's out of our comfort zone, we find that difficult. Yeah, definitely. So, and, that's, and, I, and I have, and I'm not ashamed to say that. Well, I think, you know, hats off to you, Emma, <laughs> for pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. You know, <laughs> that's what we, you all have to do it. And like you say, you know, you have to do it, yeah. You're very knowledgeable in your passion areas, but you've stepped into another area and it's been a great learning experience. So, you know, hats off to you. I think that's great. Thank you. I want Thank you. to talk to you next about the Society for British Dental Nurses because you yes. are the incoming chair for the Society. Apparently so, Laurie, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
which I think's very exciting because the society yeah. is, is, is in a great place right now and the future's really mm. bright. So would you be able to talk to us and sort of explain to uh, people that are listening what that role involves and really about your your vision as the chair? Would you mind sharing that with us? Not at all. I, I mean, the society is something that we are very, very proud of. I've got to say that the society wouldn't be what it is today without Fiona. Uh, I mean, if you want to talk about drive and passion, as you well know, Laura, she, she, she is just phenomenal. The woman is just, she's a machine who believes in improving dental nurses' education and ultimately their future roles in life. Um, our society, which I am so passionate about, is a non-for-profit organisation and everything goes back in to the society. I mean, we believe that, you know, dental nurses are central to everything going forward in dentistry because um, it's evolving all the time. You know, dentistry is not what it is, what it was when I started 15 years ago. Um, I mean, 15 years ago, I'm sure Mr. Ellis Paul, who I was working with, won't mind me saying, I used to dodge alginate being thrown at me on a regular <laughs> basis. Uh, <laughs> nowadays, if that, can you imagine if that happened nowadays? I think, oh, um, I know. I've had instruments <laughs> thrown at me and all sorts. <laughs> do, you, do you remember what it was like? It was, you know, it was how how they got away nowadays it would just oh very, yes it would, it would be very very interesting but you know it, it is evolving and we we believe the dental nurse is so important in that I feel she's got lost along the way a little bit I really do and I don't think that's anything not our fault but I do think we've become just a sort of the unforgotten member of the team but we're so important in that team um and the society is made up of experts from all over really um, we've got lay persons we've got pay, people from the trade people like myself who 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 think they're an expert in oncology but we're hoping that this will empower dental nurses to do uh, to develop themselves even more my hope i mean it, it all about, it's all about education and, and um, moving forward with that but my hope is that we can we can empower and sort of what can I say turn on the dental nurses who have been in practice 20 years do you know the ones I'm talking about Laura who yeah. don't who've been there who've done it since day one they've loved it they work so hard every day and they just get forgotten Mm -hmm. those are the ones who I who I know Fiona feels the same way as me who we want joining this society and we want to try and develop them too because they're the bread and butter not the ones you know not the people like me who think the great standing up and presenting all the time but the, you know the dental nurses who, who are in it because they want to be in it who love their job yeah and now are just a little bit static that's that's my hope for the future for the society Oh, that's fantastic. And it's so true that, you know, the dental nurses, we need to really get them back to dental nursing. And that's something I say all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Particularly in practice where the majority of dental nurses are, so many have become decontamination machines. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and that's where you're so right. The role has been lost a little bit. So um, I'm, yeah. I'm right behind you. It will be a fantastic time uh, with, with you as chair, without a doubt. And as you said, you're so passionate about education. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's important. And the society is all about mentoring people to become 
you know their very best that they can be so you know it's a fantastic thing to be involved in and it's also and it's also i think what's important is that we learn from each other mm. we we sort of you know there's there's loads that we can be learning from each other uh, i learn all the time i learn every day from somebody you know yeah i think i know my field in oncology but there'll be other people working in oncology that i can pick up some tips from um, and experts in autism that I can pick up tips on and it, it is about networking and mentoring it really is those three things to me are what's key yeah yeah fantastic well, hopefully that we can do that absolutely absolutely and I wanted to ask you Emma you know as I just said you are passionate about education you've um, mm. done a training program with Fiona haven't you yeah. We're working on it. We've actually been asked. We're, we know what me and Fiona are like, and, and she's as busy as I am, as you are. But the, the vision is we want to write a book. I don't know whether you knew. I didn't <laughs> know that. Of, right. Yes, I know. Uh, it's a book on jokes. No, it's not. It's a book on... Um, <laughs> we wanted to do something... That the post-qualifications are brilliant. There's, there's a few post-qualifications, but how to deal with an oncology patient um and the barriers the difficulties we're looking at doing training around a training course around that and hopefully a book with professor island i think he's going to be oh. um oh. to to he's yeah, i think he's going to try and give us the uh his name to it because we need somebody important uh not that fiona's not important enough but um just to give a book from a different angle on things where because I do there is a little bit of information out there on, on oncology and end of life but um, going into it in a little bit more depth you know you, you never train to sit with somebody who's got had a cancer or somebody who's dying it is it, it, it's something and I'm not saying a, a training course can um, empower you to do it, but it can help Definitely. it can it can really help and you know Dame Saunders who founded the hospice movement was one of her her little her little saying was we're hoping to help we want to help you live till you die and the mouth goes on that journey mm. and you know the end of life is as much as so it's so it's as important as beginning of life and we thought with this training course it's not all doom and gloom by the way you know I, I know I keep going on about palliative and end of life but unfortunately that's the reality that we're all <laughs> we're all going to pass away at some time I don't want to be sat here in like the Grim Reaper or anything but it is such an important and I, I, I've been honoured to sit with many patients who, who've been passing away and myself and Fiona are really passionate about this group of patients and oncology patients who many of them survival rates are increasing so that means that they're actually living longer with problems related to the mouth so we're hoping with the the training course that we can touch on that and and you know it gives some patient it will give dental nurses that will empower them hopefully to deal with these patients out in the community a bit better with a bit more education around that wow fantastic so have you given yourself a deadline <laughs> no <laughs> she's, on it. she's on it at the moment it's got to be the year that you know when once i start the chair we've got to start getting getting together and i think with we, we were actually feeling our way a little bit because we didn't know how well it'd be received we we're passionate you can hear that we're passionate yeah. about it it's no good us being passionate if nobody else is yeah. if, if they're not gonna the uptake on the course because i i believe we should have macmillan dental nurse specialists in every trust in the country Wow. I, I, without a shadow of a doubt. And I, I know Macmillan would do that. He's trying to get the trust involved. I know we've got a fantastic Mouth Care Matters at the moment. They're working throughout the UK 
but why shouldn't we have Macmillan mm. oral health educators? What, what's the reasoning? Why not? If somebody yeah. can give me a reason, why not? I will I will argue with them about that because it it is it, there. I mean, I, just before I know we've got to finish shortly, but I actually my role was funded with preventable effects. So it was basically I could prevent hospital admissions from my role. Wow. And I I could prove early discharges all by keeping the mouth clean. Wow. So it is a no-brainer, but back onto quality of life of these patients, surely that's got to be important enough. So yeah, we 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 want to roll this Macmillan thing out if we can. That would be amazing. And I'm sure there are so many dental nurses that, like you and I, have the uh, OHE qualification that don't mm. need it, that would love to mm. and are very <laughs> Um, and there are so many people, I think, that would be queuing up to apply to do that. Uh, I really, really think they would. So one last question then in 30 one. seconds, Emma. Uh, Why should dental nurses get involved and join the Society for British Dental Nurses? <laughs> because I said so, Laura. <laughs> I love it's it. Been... <laughs> because we are a great society. And we're here for you. Nothing else. We don't get anything out of it. But trying to help you further yourself that's the bottom line it's not a, an organization for profits for our self-worth we just want to get you involved so we because we're passionate about dental nursing we can put dental nurses back on the map because I think they've got a bit lost over the last few years oh, that's fantastic brilliant about 30 seconds Laura <laughs> yes, so well done <laughs> so brilliant so Emma, thank you so much for your no, time for having today. Me. You have such a no, fantastic brilliant. story. I'm sure we'll uh, interview you again uh, as uh, the chair role evolves uh, to see what's happening. And um, thank you to everybody for listening. And do check out the website. Have a look at becoming a member. And, yeah, finally, once again, Emma, thank you ever so much. Thanks a lot, Laura. Take care now. And you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe so you can be notified of our next episode.